Hello everybody, welcome back to another great edition of Hard in the Paint Podcast. The NBA podcast where we uh, answer and talk about the hard questions of the NBA. And today I'm joined by Michael again. And we're going to go over uh, what happened with the draft and did our picks pan out or did any trades happen? A lot of those things ended up happening and worked in our favor, I think. And overall, a pretty solid draft. Not not too many crazy upsets, but we'll fill you in on the deets here in a minute. Uh, but first, we have a interesting trade that happened with uh, Dwight Howard. So what was the transaction here? Uh, Dwight is being shipped up to the Brooklyn Nets. And Mozgov will be going down to Charlotte. Uh, I believe both are now on expiring contracts. Um, this will be Dwight's fourth team in four years, um, as well as Charlotte picking up that kind of awful Mozgov contract, uh, which I guess reunites him with Kubchak. Um I think it's going to be used as a bargaining chip. Um, so why, why do you think the Nets picked up Dwight? I think they're trying to see if they can maybe... I think they've got a little bit of a locker room issue going on, and the rumor has it that Charlotte didn't like Dwight because he was of his chemistry in the locker room. We know D'Angelo Russell has problems with chemistry in the locker room and a couple of those guys, so maybe if you, you know, throw enough chaos in that locker room, maybe they'll try and sort itself <laughs> out somehow. That's my only take there. Yeah, I think uh, the Nets are looking to tank next season. And then after that, I think a few of their contracts are officially done. Um, I think they're really only left with, like, Alan Crabb at that point. And so I think summer 2019 is when you'll see the Nets starting to try to make some moves. Um, so they already bought out Dwight, so I think it's more of a cap space move um a rebuild so i expect them to tank um what about charlotte you think is charlotte kind of in rebuild mode or in tank mode or are they trying to get to the playoffs because there's a lot of uh you know kemba kemba's very unhappy with the fact that they haven't been so successful in the last few years yeah a lot of people are are saying he could be in some trade talks this coming year um and i see that as a possibility even though he's kind of your only real superstar player you've had in the past 10 years mm-hmm. well he's um, probably the best player in their franchise history at this point oh yeah maybe uh stats wise yeah yeah well you know michael jordan likes his tall white dudes and he couldn't draft another <laughs> tall white center in the draft so he had to get one in a trade that's that's their easy explanation there yeah so do you think dwight is a uh, hall of famer at this point it's hard to say that because he's, you know, when you look at his body of work and his legacy, you know, he went mm-hmm. to the finals that one time. He, you know, he was he was a monumental superstar there for for two, three years down in Orlando. Oh, yeah. But ever since then, it's just been such a steep drop off. Yeah, ever since his back uh, and like shoulder issues, I don't know. His first six years, he was by far the best center in the NBA. Um, 
And I mean, in 2011, he finished like second behind Derek Rose in MVP voting. So, and he pretty much consistently gave you like a 20 and 12 night for those first uh, six, seven years um, until he went to LA. So, I think he's good enough to get him to the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's going to be cracking like, you know, any top 50 lists or like um, anything like that. But I think it kind of closes out the whole. Um, era of like that kind of Dwayne Wade, Carmelo, Dwight era, where it seems like they've all kind of moved on except for LeBron. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, I have a hard time putting someone in the Hall of Fame whose only real talent is just sheer athleticism. Yeah, Patrick Ewing is there. Yeah, but his he was so much more of a a smart guy than Dwight, you know, it's like, you know, you look at your top 50 players, it's like offensive game, defensive game, you know, superior ball IQ. Yeah. And doesn't like screw up their last eight years of their career by trying to post up more in a non post up game and not be able to shoot threes or free throws. It's, you know, I mean, he's a good player and I'm sure he makes like the, 2000s Hall of Fame, but I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, maybe he's like an addendum to like the back half of the top 100 all time or something. Yeah, I mean the uh, the award show is uh, coming up pretty soon, and so I mean I'm sure we'll dive into that when it comes. But uh, you know, with MVP voting and um, Defensive Player of the Year and stuff, and you know, I've kind of been thinking of like last few years, you know, with MVP voting, you know, Russ. Last year kind of got it on averaging a triple-double and, like, breaking the record. And then he sort of did it again. But obviously he's not going to finish anywhere near the top of the MVP voting. So it kind of made me, like, think of retrospective uh, real MVPs. And I kind of thought, like, maybe Zaza should get more credit here for breaking Kawhi, which essentially kind of, you know, ended... Uh, Popovich's Spurs dynasty, really. Um, you know, Kawhi's out for a whole year that basically eliminates an entire contender from the West. And, you know, it's just, it completely breaks the Spurs. You're entirely right, except for the fact that, you know, postseason shenanigans don't count at all for regular right, season awards. His postseason, uh, like last year, affected this year's regular season. I mean, the Spurs, I think, like, got, like, 47 wins, finished seventh in the West with Kawhi. It's like, they're probably going to crack near 60. And I can see them knocking off, like, Golden State or the Rockets. So, you know, maybe just a little bit of uh, a voting there goes that way. Well, in a a slight slight change of pace for Hall of Famers, the (laughs) Big Three Basketball League is is back and they've added added some more players Uh, i was watching some highlights last night of nate robinson getting at it with a couple guys drew gooden i think at the opening three i like that big three basketball has really embraced the three-point shot i think the first like six shots by uh i think it's threes company all threes or the four point spot nice to see yeah it's you know it's (laughs) It's basically like a celebrity show, but you know, it's cool to see some of the old guys like suit up again, like uh, like Kenyon Martin, and then like 
Jax and a couple other guys. Or even the coaching. The fact that, like, Rick Barry is, like, yelling at guys and, like, Charles Oakley the other way is, like, he couldn't care less where he is. <laughs> yeah, but he'll still beat you up. <laughs> Talking about people that want to beat other people up. The Blobfish Classic between uh, Senator Ted Cruz and late-night host Jimmy Kimmel might be some of the worst basketball we've seen since that uh, high school Michigan women's championship game <laughs> where they were jump-shooting from the foul line. <laughs> so I think what happened was is there was that picture of Ted Cruz meeting Grace Allen, and they uh, transferred all of the basketball skills over into his... Uh, official zodiac killer body so <laughs> you know it's like it's like um it's like the monsters ball from space jam it just sucked all his powers away well i was surprised that the game went on for like an hour and a half like they i guess kind of tried i i mean i know they're extremely out of shape so but they only played till 11 and it took like an hour and a half which is kind of funny because like like hardly any of them were drives to the basket they're all uh jump shots but i mean have you seen the people you've played with i'm not, I'm not surprised they take an hour and a half <laughs> i mean you know mike has really got that euro game going with that dark kick out you know and uh maybe luka Doncic will learn that from uh dirk this next year what a great segue into our draft analysis but first message from our sponsors over at over at Boeing. Uh, so Boeing, of course, is your most trusted name in aviation. Whether uh, you like to ride, pilot, or even engineer, you can do so comfortably with Boeing. Uh, they are the world's largest aerospace and defense manufacturer and provides only top-shelf products to top-shelf consumers like yourself or you know, maybe Kawhi Leonard when he goes over to the Lakers or you know, maybe Paul George when he's taking a flight from OKC to Philadelphia later this summer. From your favorites, like the 747 to the 767, to anything in between, uh, they supply thousands of aircraft around the world today. Uh, if you've ever wanted to fly in a Chinook, you can do that with Boeing. If you've ever wanted to strap yourself to a rocket and, and sing some great tunes, you can do that in a Delta IV. Or you can even just sit there and waste tons of money like the SLS program. And you can do so today by going to uh, boeing.com slash going uh, using promo code David for 10% off your first order of an airplane. Uh, it's boeing.com slash going promo code David. And with that, let's let's review the draft here for a second. Um, first of all, in, our, in my last show, I kind of gave some predictions of who I had going where and sort of just the the ground level preview of you know, what are some of these players like or whose skill sets do they resemble and before we even get going I'd like to say I pretty much got the first uh, seven picks almost perfect and for that yeah, I feel dude. pretty good after that it hits the can a little bit um, so we'll just we'll just go right down the the definites so as we all expected uh, number one Phoenix pick was DeAndre Ayton. Uh, pretty much nobody questioned this uh, at all leading up to the draft. There was, you know, maybe a couple months ago, there was Luka going number one, but the, the past week or two has been 
very consistently we're gonna take eight number one i mean heck he's been hanging out with the players they're saying the Shaq and kobe 2.0 with Aiton and booker so now that it's official what do you think about Aiton and phoenix going along together uh i think phoenix had like a b plus draft they took Aiton. Uh, and they eventually traded for Mikhail Bridges, and they got Ilya Kobo. Um, kind of a weird mix, um, especially when you consider like their past few picks. Um, Justin Jackson, TJ Warren, Booker. So I think they're trying to get out of tank mode as quick as possible, um, which is a good sign, um, you know, due to their utter incompetence as a franchise. Um, I like Aiton at the number one spot. I think, you know, if a guy is seven feet tall and can play center and, you know, definitely wants to be, like, a modern center, um, take him. I mean, personally, I probably would have taken Luka. Um, I just like a, a guard who can pass. I mean, in a guard-driven league, that sounds like a pretty solid pick. But he had a lot of big men. And I think out of all of the big men, he was probably the most well-rounded out of the big men. Um, obviously, he has to pick up some defense, but, I mean, hardly anybody outside of UVA plays defense in college. Um, so I'm not too concerned about that. But, I mean, yeah, i got to give you your kudos. You know, you definitely nailed some of these draft picks, especially in the, kind of the first 20 or so. So I think you meant you brought up a good point there, and and some of the guys on TV were talking about this too. That it's like this draft is like your your solid backbone big men draft, even though we're in a guard dominated league where you know penetration and passing is like your almost mm-hmm. two most important things. So it's kind of interesting that you know your top your top eight picks, only two of them are perimeter players, really. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if like we might see some pushback to this kind of pace and space Golden State Warriors and more towards kind of your traditional... Um, outside in you know, or inside out type Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, it'd be really cool if, like, the guys who really lead that are, like, Anthony Davis, you know, like a guy who's kind of this um, guy in the middle between the two. Um, you know, if he wins, like, an MVP, it's like, oh, man, you'll have other teams that will really try to double down on like Aiton and Mo Bamba and Jaron Jackson um, as prospects. So, you know, it's, it's kind of nice that like we're seeing teams try to find a way to beat Golden State without just mimicking their, their play style. And, and in terms of people that don't mimic Golden State, number two, Sacramento, <laughs> I think the most poorly managed <laughs> franchise here in the past 20 years almost. I mean, Orlando's catching up, but yeah. Marvin Bagley, the third. Again, pretty unanimous uh, number two pick. There was a little idea they might trade this pick around or they might do some shenanigans with this to take Luka or something like that, but pretty much 95% certain that Bagley was going number two. Again, uh, yeah, they're really, uh, yeah, very all-around power forward. Um, can't really go wrong with this kid, I think. Yeah, he's got he's got that kind of duke game so it's like it could kind of go either way right we could kind of see like an like another jabari um or maybe even further down like an okafor i hope not where it's like he really doesn't fit anywhere in the nba um or maybe you know he can kind of modernize his game and be like a bigger jason tatum which would be kind of nice for the 
for the Kings, but their front court is really loaded at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so just and you know with Darren Fox, I, you know playing point, it's like it kind of just screams more dysfunction from this franchise. And a lot of what I saw in the draft was the the other teams in the West that were sitting outside the playoff picture, uh, Phoenix, Denver, Dallas. Um, a lot of those teams look like they're trying to kind of get back into the playoff hunt. And so I think that's going to make the West really tough next year. So it might actually be beneficial for Sacramento to tank and try to get like another good prospect. I, I kind of like Bagley's idea. You know, a, a quicker power forward pair up with Fox. Maybe you try and, try and run people out of the gym with, with a bunch of youth. Um, mm. Unfortunately, I think you still need a wing on that team somehow. And you kind of need a mobile center, which, so they're still missing a lot of pieces to really get back in the mix. But, you know, do you think like good two steps here? Do you think that if the Kings have taken Luca instead, that might have like mitigated some of the problems? I, I personally would pick Luca above Bagley, but I don't know if that would actually help them that much more. Well, I mean, the, the crazy thing was uh, when Luca was picked at the three, he was like traded immediately um, for the idea that Dallas at five would uh, get Trey Young. Um, so you know, effectively, Trey Young was like your third pick in the draft. This you is know, interesting. It's like, yeah, you think that's too high? Like, you know, I didn't watch a whole lot of college basketball this season, so I can't really describe too much Trey Young's game. But he just looks kind of like he just looks too small. I think that's the biggest problem with him is maybe you can get past the defense by saying he was that team's only offense, so they just let him slack on the defense. But he's mm. also like barely six one. So that is that is quite short when you're looking at Steph who's like six three and a half, Westbrook's like six four, you know, even like Mike Conley is like six three. Like you've got you yeah. got a lot of height to make up there and then looking at the playoffs, it's like you're gonna get switched on to and you're going to have a guy a foot and a half taller than you just Embiid. get you every time. Embiid on Trey Young. But the report was about, uh, you know, maybe 12 hours before the draft that, like, Atlanta's looking at Trey Young, you know, laser-focused or whatever Woj wanted to say. <laughs> yeah, um, dude, Woj won the draft. The, the Woj, <laughs> so someone, like, posted a, a, a snapshot of all of his tweets and just all the synonyms awesome. he used. <laughs> It was hilarious. I kind of didn't like it because it spoiled, you know, a lot of uh, the picks maybe before the five minutes was up. So they really didn't have the same suspense that most drafts yeah. had. But at the same time, it's like, oh, I can just look at Twitter and just see everything. Yeah. I mean, as someone who doesn't really care too much about the draft, like, you know, like for me, it's like once you get outside the top seven or eight picks, you know, like you just kind of draft whoever. And then obviously there's always like some some mid first round steals and stuff like that like guys that they should have taken but i don't know i, I thought it was like you know it's just it's kind of fun to think about um so with with trey young there dennis schroeder i mean how did those two fit along like you know what's atlanta's game plan because they have kent Bazemore, but i don't really know if they have anything else that can really help this team and they have a new coach so 
A lot of, a lot of rumor is that uh, Dennis Schroeder is on his way out. He's apparently got a real bad attitude over there. I mean, I bet they just drafted a guy who's like smaller than he is. Oh, even before then, it's. It, oh. I think most of the season he was kind of secretly, you know, not just being like a bad sport. Um, and a lot of the guys that you know knew him in Europe before he came over have a similar idea yeah. about him. So I think, especially with that team not winning and then losing all their players, yeah, it. I think he's on his way out somewhere and probably at pennies on the dollar. I don't know. He's a he's a decent guard, and I mean every almost you know there's probably at least twelve teams that need a guard, and he can give you at least twenty a game. So yeah, it's hard to see a good trade for him though. We'll have to look at that in in the coming episodes of Dennis Schroeder trade. But in another part of that deal uh, was I think a future first round pick for next year. So mm-hmm. Atlanta has even more uh, tools to rebuild with coming up. And so then in the draft, uh, number four, I had either Porter Jr. or Jaron Jackson, and Memphis went with the safe, the safe choice and chose Jaron Jackson Jr. of Michigan State as their future power forward. Yeah, I like him next to uh, Marcus All and that grit and grind Memphis style. You know, he's like a defensive specialist almost. Um, you know, hopefully he kind of gets a little bit bigger just so he can kind of bang around in the paint. But, you know, it's kind of it's kind of refreshing that, like, Memphis almost, you know, almost stupidly sticks to their style. Even though it's, like, it's really not going to be successful in the modern NBA. Well, you know, this is a team that has previously, you know, given top Western teams uh, a big thorn in their side, you know take out the past two years of injuries and whatnot, but they consistently knocked out the Clippers. You know, they, they gave the Spurs always a seven game series. Yeah. Uh, they gave Golden State a real hard time. And this was, you know, even with Zebo and an old Vince and they've gotten younger. I mean, their two stars haven't, but their middlemen have gotten a lot younger just off of grades and whatnot. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not counting Memphis out if they can stay healthy, but I'm not sold on Jaron Jackson being a huge difference maker. And I don't, I guess at the end, we should try and predict who will be rookie of the year, but I definitely think he's someone that could have been it if it wasn't on this team. Oh, interesting. Uh, so number five, um, you know, effectively Luka Doncic is going to Dallas playing alongside Dirk Harrison Barnes, Dennis Smith Jr. And Wesley Matthews. Um, Good pick, bad pick, okay pick. What's the verdict for Dallas? I'm in the camp with a lot of folks that say this is like the best part of the draft. Like A plus pick, A plus trade. You've got another Euro guy playing with Dirk. So they got this like, you know, transition program type thing going on. He's not a wing that takes a spot from Seth Curry or Dennis Smith. Maybe he lets you trade Wesley Matthews and Harrison Barnes to get some kind of free agent coming in. Yeah, my my two big things about uh, the Luca pick. Um, one, he played a lot of games in Europe, like something like ninety games, which you know that conditioning is gonna transition so nicely to the NBA, where a lot of rookies hit the rookie wall around like. Kind of that December January time frame where it's like 
they're not used to so many games. Um, just like in college, you only play 30. Um, plus like tournament games and stuff like that. So it's like, I, I think the conditioning is going to be a big thing. And the other thing I like is that he can pretty much play the the one, two, or three. Um, you know, whether or not like Dennis Smith is in the game, Dirk is coming off the bench. Like he's kind of flexible between those three roles. Um, and if he, you know, develops any kind of defense, I mean, I think you're right. I think we're looking at like a guy that could be a real like gem on this team. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm a big fan. I'm I'm gonna watch some Dallas games. I know they're saying he's probably gonna sit out the preseason just because they like just finished their tournament play oh, yeah. like a couple days ago. So yeah. He's gonna take get his summer off, I think, but. You know, he doesn't even have to be the primary ball handler anymore. He's got DSJ. I uh, even have like Yogi Ferrell. Uh, they already run plays for shooters and, and the occasional Seth drive, so he can kind of slot right in there. I think this think is a good fit. Do you think they're going to make the playoffs? Um, I know they're still in the market for like a, a defensive center, um, possibly like a DeAndre Jordan or Clint Capella. Um, but. You know, I, I don't think so. No, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be oh, no. out again. I, I think it will look good though. I think. I think <laughs> we'll have some. Uh, this could be a decent rookie of the year year guy. I, I I've got a feeling the the magnifying glass is gonna be a little bit too close on him though. Hmm. Um. At number six, we have Mo Bamba to the Orlando Magic. Essentially, R.I.P. on his first three to four years in the league. Um, that team is just, you know, they're really trying to give the Knicks and the Kings a run for their money as the most disorganized franchise of the decade. Um, they've basically been in free fall ever since the Dwight trade. And I think the best we can hope from Mo Bamba is a good stats, bad team kind of guy. Um, I don't think he's enough to get Orlando anywhere near the playoff hunt. Um, kind of a shame. I think he would have been good in another situation um, because he just has that massive like length and wingspan. And he seems like a pretty bright guy. Like He seems like a, a guy who, given the right system, can really like learn that system and execute it decision yeah i like i like mo bamba um this was a very expected spot for him to be i think pretty much everyone had him going to orlando at six one thing right away that kind of strikes me is it's going to take him like two years to just hit the right size because he's a little bit too stick man he's right got now. That, yeah he's got that like kevin durant texas kind of look right uh, where he's like super slim yeah, so he's got, and I think the best way this could fall for him is to be like an Embiid that actually got to somewhat play his first year. That's a high ceiling Embiid. Uh, everyone's hyped on these practice videos of him making threes and doing spin moves and fadeaways. I don't think he'll ever get that kind of offensive time or mm -hmm. priority in their system. I think they're going to try and use him as like a like a Yao Ming type player, I think, at the, at the best. He could be, you know, a good stats, bad team, rookie of the year, though. I could see him putting up, you know, 10 and 10 every night. 
Uh, next up, we've got number seven. This was Chicago's pick, and they picked Wendell Carter Jr. of Duke to now pair with their front court of Lowry. And I think this is a this is a pretty much a spot on pick. It was a little bit up in the air of what Chicago could do because they have kind of this weird new rebuild that they weren't really aware of the past couple of years and the Zach Levine injury and then Chris Dunn came over and actually worked out pretty well but I like Wendell Carter uh, they can kind of play four out with with Lowry because Lowry's really more of like a, a long range Porzingis type guy um, and Wendell Carter is a, a you know a rebound rebound snatching uh, can play low post he's I think he's the heaviest guy in the top 10. Yeah, he's, he's like one of the heaviest guys in the draft, so he's already got the the big body you need to bang down low. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, this pick kind of signaled that jump from that, like, kind of tier one, uh, you know, guys coming into the league and that kind of second tier, um, except for maybe Trey Young, but... Um, I think he was kind of the best available left. I think it was a good pick for Chicago. I think it fits into their system, um, but they kind of just come over as like a really, like this team would be really good in college. Like, I don't know if in the NBA they're going to be that good in the East. I mean, the East should be pretty weak and wide open, um, especially if LeBron leaves. But, you know, he does seem like a, a good small ball five. Um, but I I don't know. Like it's Chicago you needs know, like a, a a an identity is what they need. They need like some star to come in and just yeah. say this is my team and these are my guys. I think yeah, and I I think at this point in the draft you're not really gonna find that. Like this whole next range of guys in the draft are all kind of interchangeable for the most part, um, with the exception of maybe Michael Porter Jr. But yeah, and I think a lot of teams, a lot of players want, or not team players, I meant uh, Chicago fans <laughs> wanted Porter Jr. to kind of be, step in and be the face of the franchise, but I think the Chicago staff was like, let's not draft a guy that's going to be out of the league in two years. <laughs> I think I think Zach Levine's slowly taking the spotlight over there, too, so we'll, we'll see how that shakes up. And this is stops the point at to which I was almost correct in my picks. So number eight was a little bit of a shocker to me. That was Cleveland's, you know, pick to keep LeBron James in Cleveland, and they picked Colin Sexton from Alabama, the six-two, almost Westbrook-like guard. And I'm not a big fan of him as at this high up, and I'm not a big fan of him really going to Cleveland either. I, I'm just not seeing the. I think this was like a best available talent type thing on their big board, but I'm I'm just not seeing the fit here. Yeah, I. It, it really had me thinking of like, man, when LeBron was gone those four years when he was at Miami, and it was like they had the number one pick three out of four years. It's like they had those picks because they draft like this, like with Colin Sexton. It's like you have like another small guard who you know, is an inefficient scorer. And it's like, I guess if you don't really have anybody else on the team, I mean, I don't know, you know, if LeBron leaves, it's like, what does this team become? Kevin Love and Colin Sexton? I mean, 
uh, you know, Kevin Love might be gone, and then you're just off with a bunch of old vets who Cleveland might just, you know, start trying to dump across the league over the next, like, year. So, you know, I think this is, like, a move that sort of signals we want to tank. So we're going to take a guard, because a guard will probably have better value in two years than if we were to draft, like, another big um, who may not have that same value in the league. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right here. I think Cleveland picks something for their posterity rather than picking something for LeBron or picking something to trade with. And and that that's kind of the, the summary of that. It you know, everyone's saying that Cleveland's draft didn't influence LeBron at all. So that either means his mind was made up that he already had somewhere in mind or he was extremely aware to the fact that Cleveland sucks at drafting. Uh, and speaking of teams that suck at drafting, uh, New York at number nine drafted Kevin Knox, the the booed player in the draft, as all Knicks draft picks are. <laughs> and I personally did, would not have picked this person here. Um, yeah, neither would I. <laughs> I had, I... I had, I think I had Ray Young going here, Porter Jr. or Lonnie Walker going here, and so I think the best comparison would be. You take this guy or you take Lonnie Walker because I guess they want the wing player. I just, I've. All right. So before I ever did any kind of like draft research, I've never even heard of Kevin Knox. Um, but he just seems like such a weird player to take. It almost seems like somebody in management like knew Kevin Knox or. You know, they had some special intel or either, you know, like some kind of Kentucky connection or something along those lines. Because they're, the, you know, the guys that kind of fall in this draft after Kevin Knox, it's like, why would they not have taken like Mikhail Bridges or SGA or Michael Porter Jr. or Zaire Smith? Like, you know, this wasn't like, a, you know, we're out of talent kind of pick. Um, so I don't know if. Bisdale was kind of looped into this. I don't know if they're preparing for like a Kristaps Porzingis exit. I mean, the Knicks are just kind of all over the place, and this pick pretty much mirrored it. Um, who knows? Maybe he'll play well against, you know, with Tim Hardaway Jr. And Trey Burke had a decent year, I guess. But I think the, you know, they should have tried to get a, a guard at this, at this slot. I think he's one of those players that's going to be kind of like Brandon Ingram, where it's going to take two years for us to see if he's really worth this pick. Yeah, I just, I mean, at least with Brandon Ingram, he's got the size. I think he's like 6'11". And he did show that skill set. It just kind of needed like a jolt to kind of get him going. Um Whereas, you know, Kevin Knox is like a 6'9", so he's probably going to play at the 3. Um, and, you know, if he becomes a good 3 and D kind of guy, then, then I mean, New York, you know, successful pick, right? Like, if you can stock up on 3 and D guys, you're always going to be successful in the NBA. So a small forward that they could have picked instead was the number 10 pick, Mikhail Bridges. Ended up getting traded to the Phoenix Suns. I, I'm not. I don't. I'm not a 
really aware of this guy, but he also was on that Villanova team, which means he's pretty darn good. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there was a lot of kind of noise that kind of happened with him being from Villanova, so kind of local kid. His mom works for the Sixers, like, feel good story, whatever, whatever. And then Brett Brown, acting GM, made probably, like, one of the best two or three decisions in the draft to trade for Zaire Smith, who I think is going to be one of the better players out of this draft. Uh, and they got the unprotected Miami 2021 pick, um, which might be quite valuable. So I think the Sixers, you know, it wasn't so much about taking that pick. It was just about trying to make a better deal, um, which is kind of unusual. I thought they played pretty conservatively after the whole Brian Colangelo fiasco. Um, but I don't know, maybe Phoenix is trying to build up now and it's like you know mikhail bridges deandre ayton booker warren jackson maybe you put together like a decent enough team to get you to the a spot in the west surprisingly enough i did have bridges going to philly even though that technically didn't happen uh, <laughs> but i you know i'll take that victory uh number 11 however was it was pretty much unanimous that this was going to be Colin Sexton's spot. However, it ended up being Jay Gilgis Alexander's spot, which I find even more interesting, actually. Yeah, I think it's worth kind of talking about this Charlotte pick at 11, along with kind of the Clippers picks at 12 and 13. Like, all three are kind of related. And this is kind of where I thought Michael Porter Jr. might go. Um, so at this point, he had already fallen here. And I figured Charlotte would just kind of go in on getting Michael Porter Jr. Um, they already kind of made this Dwight trade. Um, you have Kemba. You don't really need a point guard. Um, and then, you know, the Clippers kind of ended up trading the rights for SGA and Miles Bridges. And then I thought, oh, the Clippers, they still have that other pick. Maybe then they'll pick up Michael Porter Jr. But instead they pick up Jerome Robinson. And so we had, you know, all of a sudden it's like Michael Porter Jr. dropped from being like in the top 10 down to like 14, like almost out of the lottery um, selection of the, of the draft. And it's like, it's kind of crazy. I think that's a, a surprise to most people is, you know, and everyone was saying a year ago, this guy would have gone like top three for sure. And then the back injury and then some workout problems. And everyone's saying he, you know, he's the best, you know, NBA ready mm -hmm. offensive talent at the wing spot. And now he's all the way at 14 to Denver, which arguably is actually a good fit for him. They've got a great system there. They need a new small forward. So I think it works out well. And it's a team that kind of can afford to take the risk on him since they're already fringe playoff team. Everyone on their team's sort of still growing a bit. So it's not a huge, a huge terrible thing if, you know, Porter ends up breaking his back again or something else goes wrong with him. Yeah, I felt like the Clippers might take him and just kind of do that Blake Griffin kind of thing where they just, um, you know, hold him over for that first year and then he comes in, um, you know, hopefully fresh, hopefully healthy. Um, since they kind of have the same sort of build, that kind of, I'm pretty sure they're both about the same height, like around 6'10"-ish. Mm -hmm. So they kind of play the same spot and it's like the Clippers already – you know, had that history of 
we took a guy with injury problems. We, you know, sat him out for a whole year. And then he came in, had rookie of the year, had a really good stretch from kind of 2011 to 2015. And then obviously Blake has had uh, injury problems, particularly in the playoffs the last three, four years. But it's like, you know, that's a pretty successful pick um, for what they had. And I thought they might try to redo that essentially with Mike Porter Jr. And maybe with some advancements in sports science, medical technology, you know, they might be able to kind of get more out of them. But yeah, I mean, after after this kind of Michael Porter Jr. pick, you know, for me at least, like the rest of the draft is kind of, you know, in and out. I don't really have any particularly strong opinions. I thought Grayson Allen was picked a little high. Um, and I was kind of surprised that Lonnie Walker kind of fell down to the Spurs. I think that's a really good pick for them. And uh, the other Villanova guy um, who killed it in the title game, Dante Di Vincenzo. Um, I thought he was picked pretty high for what his his skill set is, um, for what his basketball ability is, and I think it was kind of that title game kind of gave him a good bump. So that was nice to see. Um, but after that, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 it's kind it, of a weird draft. There was like the top fourteen guys were kind of almost interchangeable. Um, you know, maybe there's like a clear top five and then like a, another, you know, nine. But then after that, it was like, eh, just take anybody. It, I think that's just kind of how the league's starting to go, though, a little bit, where it's like people you draft and the way the game is played kind of have to be able to do a little bit of everything. Kind of like, you know, Draymond Green is the perfect example of this. You know, shoot threes, play some D, do a little post up, do a little playmaking, be able to go off the dribble. And you notice that more and more is. There isn't as many of those specialists going in your top 10 picks anymore. You know, I'm looking at this list and the only real specialist I see is maybe like Mo Bamba or Trey Young. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once you hit past 14, then it starts getting into, you know, this is the statistically best shooter or this is the best defender or this is the best fastest guy. And then you take that one accolade versus all of their negative things like like number 16 pick for example Dare Smith who ended up going in the Sixers 6'4 you know shooting guard, small forward type guy who's just an all out defender who I think could be like Kawhi Jr and I think that's what Philly thinks is he could be their Kawhi Jr yeah I think he was definitely like one of the I think he'll be kind of like that Donovan Mitchell you know Giannis kind of pick where it's like Man, how do we let this guy slip to the middle of the first round? Um, I think it's a good bargaining chip also if they want to get Kawhi. Um, are there any other kind of game changers that you see in this draft? You know, um, guys who will be all stars, you know, all NBA, um, you know, kind of that next wave of NBA talent. Anybody that sticks out to you right now is kind of off, off draft eyes. Um, there's really only two things left that I can think of for, for this first round, and that is uh, Lonnie Walker has the craziest hairdo, and I'm surprised <laughs> he dropped all the way to 18 at Spurs. Uh, he's, he's like your very, he's like a very, I don't know, he's a very loud person, I feel like. Like, you just see him and you see mm -hmm. personality, and that's not a very Spurs thing. And he, I guess he dropped this far because he had a, 
think it was an MCL tear in high school, kind of like DSJ did almost. Ooh, okay. But I think that's why he fell this far. However, I think he could easily be one of the steals in this draft. You know, if Manu is on his way out, this guy could fill in that spot. Plays mm -hmm. a kind of similar all-around shooting guard game. And then at 21, I did not have Grayson Allen going nearly this high. No, being I had him to Boston. Being Utah's white boy, yeah. I had Kevin Herter going here because he's, yeah. like, the best shooter, and you would think you'd want someone to, like, pick and pop, almost be like another Joe Ingles on that team, but instead they wanted, uh, you know, a one-two drive and kick punch with Allen and mm -hmm. Donovan, so... Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to the first time Grayson Allen uh, matches up with Draymond Green or Matt Barnes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That'll be kind of fun. Um, Is there anything in round like, two that you can think of that was interesting? Uh, the only one I really kind of paid attention to was uh, the Sixers. Um, it might be the last pick in the draft or maybe like right towards the end. Um, they took Costas on Tetokounmpo. Um, Giannis's younger brother. So I think they kind of took him on, um, you know, just kind of the potential that, oh man, if we can get somebody that's even like 70% as good as, as the, you know, Greek freak and his brother, it's like, that's a good pick. So I think, I think that was like kind of a nice, like, you know, we'll take this guy. If he pans out, um, you know, awesome. If he doesn't, it's fine too. We have enough, like, other guys with Zaire Smith and Kyrie Thomas and um, the rest of their squad, you know, Fultz, if, you know, if he can kind of rehab his uh, jump shot and stuff. So, you know. That'd be interesting. I wonder if, how much playing time will get, because he definitely seems like a big project pick, but if he ever pans out. Yeah. It kind of seems like a, like a Brett Brown you know, kind of saying, like, all right, I picked all these other guys for you guys. I stuck with all this, like, tanking process nonsense. You know, we worked with Embiid, you know, despite all those injury years. We worked with Ben Simmons despite missing all of uh, his, you know, his, what would have been his rookie year. And I think this was kind of like the Brett Brown compensation pick of, like, give me a guy and let me see if I can make him a better Robert Covington. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. This guy got traded to Dallas? Is that true? Oh, really? I didn't. I was oh, not wow. aware Costas got traded to Dallas. I guess they swapped second-round picks or something. It looks like Ooh. they traded Shake Milton at 54 for Ray Spaulding at 56 and Costas at 60 and then maybe got a future pick out of that. Oh, well, I, mean, I still think it's a good pick to take him. Like, if the guy can play anything like his brother, it's worth it, right? I mean, yeah, you're gonna have Dirk moving out eventually, so sure. Another foreign guy. Yeah, get get the Euro team going. It's like North Spurs. I like it. Um, so you know, in your opinion, who won the draft? Oh, I think you got to say Dallas won the draft. I think getting making sure you get Luca is great because you're you're pretty much confident he was gonna pass in the top four. Mm -hmm. That's a great steal. Um, I think. I think Phoenix gets a win too. They get they got the trade from the Sixers and they got Bridges as well as Aiton. I think that's great. I think the big loss is probably Atlanta. I, I think Trey Young might not pan out that well. You know, if he can shoot from deep, he'll find a spot. 
but you know his size is just like it, it, it kind of reminds me of you know in, in in the nfl with like johnny manziel where it's like i get that this guy was really good in college but he just looked so small that it's like if he takes a hit like you're done and you know that's kind of what happened with him it's like he got banged around you know, same kind of thing with, like, RG3. It's like, these guys are talented, but they're a little too small. You know, can they really hang? Um, out of, you know, these kind of first 14 teams, um, or so, you know, the, the, the lottery teams, um, who's in the best position to, you know, get back into the playoffs or make a playoff run or, you know, be kind of relevant again? I think you can argue that I don't. I, this might be too much of a given, but I think Denver's got a chance. I think if Minnesota is going to bust, like they sound like they might, mm. and Michael Porter ends up playing, you know, sixty games, I think they got a chance to make the playoffs, even though they're kind of the highest winning team in the lottery. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they did have that kind of pseudo playoff with Minnesota to get in, um, so they were basically on the cusp there. Um, you know, which team do you see uh, getting the most impact out of their rookie? So, you know, kind of kind of leading into that rookie of the year conversation, but like which which rookie is going to have the biggest impact on which team? Um, man, this is a tough one because, uh, you know, rookie of the year is all about them stats, uh, as we can tell by Donovan Mitchell. There's no notable red shirts this year, so it should be a little easier to tell who's going to win. I would have to say my my top contenders are... I think think DeAndre Ayton actually could win it. I think think Wendell Carter Jr. could be a sleeper. I think... I think Michael Porter Jr. could do some work too. I don't think yeah. anyone below him could make it. I don't think maybe Luca. Maybe I'm not. I'm not sold. But those are like my four guys. I I would watch the most for that, just because they're all guys that can kind of get the double doubles. You know, Phoenix doesn't have a good center anyway, so Aiden will get a lot of playing time. Same with Wendell Carter. Same with Luca. Same with Michael Porter. He stays healthy so you know i'm looking at guys that will definitely get some minutes yeah i'd be really surprised if you know the the guy who wins rookie of the year next year isn't a big man like based on kind of how top heavy this draft was towards big men it'd be kind of crazy if like a guard like trey young you know kind of set themselves apart because then it kind of you know reaffirms that whole the nba you know we want we want, you know, small ball, pace and space, you know, versatile perimeter defenders, um, which a lot of these guys don't really fit that mold. They, you know, they're kind of on the, you know, the edge of that transition between kind of old school basketball, bang low, and this kind of this kind of Golden State, you know, era. So it'd be kind of interesting to see, you know, um, but the rookie of the year, you know, next year, it's like, you know, does the NBA kind of keep going further down the small ball path or maybe kind of we see some, you know, some kind of, you know, correction back to, 
you know, those mid 2000s kind of teams. Oh, so looking at this as well, who do you think gets kind of forgotten about? Who gets like lost in like a trade and then gets stuck backlogged behind like four guys and we just never hear his name again? Um, you know, instinct wise, I would think Mo Bamba just because he's in Orlando and Orlando have just been so awful since that Dwight trade. Now you got a new coach and Steve Clifford, who I'm not totally confident about. That team has like a million, you know, forwards who don't really add anything to the game. They don't really have any guard play. You know, it seems like he might just have a bad three to four years, um, which might not necessarily be his fault. Um, I think another guy that might get lost is Colin Sexton. You know, just because he's a he's a smaller guard, so I think he's going to have, you know, at best he's Trey Young, or no, sorry, not Trey Young, um, Trey Burke. At best, he's kind of like a Trey Burke player, where it's like. Uh, okay, sure, be on the team, but you know you're not going to win a title with this guy. Is uh, at least so far from what I see. I would say I'd, I'd kind of give that same example, but I'd say Jerome Robinson. I, I don't see how he stands out. Not only did the Clippers also draft SGA, but they've got Austin Rivers. The I guess he's the starting point guard now, and they're oh, in no, a, they have a lot of guards. You got Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams. I mean, they have a lot of guards on that team. Yeah, and draft. But I mean, they're also trying guards. to make some. I mean, yeah, but the Clippers are also trying to make some moves, right? With um, free agents over the next like two years, so they might be stocking up on guards. Plus, they have, I think Jerry West is the GM there, and I mean, he put together some pretty successful franchises in Memphis, um, Lakers, and Golden State. So, um, any other kind of last things about the? NBA draft. I'm excited. I'm I'm happy there was a lot of trades, and then they weren't all just late first round, second round trades. You know, we got three trades in the top ten, so that's amazing to me. Um, I'm upset that we don't really have, and none of these are for like contending teams. You know, you, you don't mm-hmm. see like Cleveland trading out or or like someone trying to snatch up picks with with the star moving so uh, i think overall it was kind of conservative in that respect you know it's all these lottery or fringe playoff teams trying to make the best out of their bad situation but overall i'm happy i mean i think uh you know kind of my last three points here um i'm looking forward to seeing a lot of mavs games i think you know luca dsj i think that's gonna be at least excitement um another you know kind of another one is we're we're finally at the end of the whole brooklyn nets you know paul pierce kevin garnett kevin garnett like trade aftermath um i believe all those picks are now done so that's kind of nice um and you know it's a little sad to like not see any kind of transcendental players like um kind of like a Ben Simmons or like a Kevin Durant or, you know, any of those guys who are like, oh, man, these guys are going to change the league. Yeah, it feels like everybody everybody here is like, all right, these guys could hang around for a while, but I don't see, you know, I'm not seeing like a Kyrie Irving in here, like a guy that 
that we'll remember for a long time right now. Yeah, I'm not seeing anybody can crack the top 30, like, all time, you know, in this in this draft. But who knows? Maybe it'll surprise us. You know. It's a good time to be a Dallas fan, though. I think that's the biggest takeaway. I mean, it's a good thing to be a Dallas fan. It's a good thing to be a, an Atlanta fan, because Atlanta has the Atlanta Bicycle Coalition. That's pretty. That's pretty hot stock. That's my. Uh, that's my take for the day. Yeah, I mean, you got you got to find your, your sports happiness somewhere. Um, <laughs> I guess. I guess next time we'll we'll probably talk about the awards. I, I forget when those are. I think those are late next week. So we'll have something in between now and then. It's a little, little less uh, clickbaity, a little less hot takey, a little more historical. I would think. Yeah, we might might dive into uh, some NBA history. Nothing nothing too far back since, I mean, we only started watching the NBA in the last 10, 12 years. Exactly. 14 years. So. Anything to stop the kind of, there's this weird lull now where it's, you know, next week you're going to have these award predictions, and I think those are pretty much squared away at this point in terms of who thinks who is better. We're going to have some stupid LeBron-MJ comparison, and we're going to have, of course, more LeBron-Kawhi-Paul George talks, and I'm kind of sick of that already. Um, other <laughs> good news, though, is the the uh, the Kyrie Irving Uncle Drew movie comes out next Friday, so Ooh, yes. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm not sure if I'm going to go see it that day or maybe later that weekend. Yeah, I'm sure at some point we'll do some uh, we'll do some review type type thing for the for the people. Yeah, that that, that movie seems fun. I've, I've been looking at some of the backstage interviews and stuff. It looks like they had a great time making that. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's got Shaq. It's got Shaq. That's all that matters. Yeah, I'm right there. And with that, <laughs> uh, I guess we'll. We'll send you all off this week with another great episode of the Hard in the Paint podcast. Uh, we would like to thank you, the listeners, for not only making this possible, but in encouraging us with your your fan mail and your messages on a on a daily and weekly basis. It's amazing, and we would like to uh, not only thank the viewers, but thank our viewer of the fortnight this week, who is uh, who is Drew Cox, the the number one quintessential college basketball fanatic who has supplied us with so much information about these players we really couldn't have done it without him uh, he sent us such a long-winded message the other day about who he would have taken where and which players look like who and who might be a bust and whatnot so thank you to our viewers of fortnite we'll see you all uh, in the coming days with plenty of more exciting basketball content have a wonderful, wonderful summertime. <laughs> <laughs>